Over the next decade, the Olympic Games are going to be run a lot leaner. That includes Brisbane, Australia, which is set to be announced this week as the host of the 2032 Games. Its budget, a modest four and a half billion Australian dollars, or 3.4 billion US. That's compared to more recent games, which in some cases have seen budgets blow out to 20 billion US. This is all part of a new approach by Olympic organizers to ensure the legacy of the games is not financial ruin and unsustainable real estate development for host cities. And it will apply also to the Paris games in 2024, as well as Los Angeles in 2028. Ahead of the Brisbane announcement and the start of the Tokyo Games this week, I invited Mark Stockwell, Australian Olympian, member of multiple games committees and property developer, along with Stephen Connery, Chief Executive of JLL Australia and New Zealand, to discuss the new games ethos and what's in store for Brisbane and South East Queensland in 2032. I'm Rebecca Kent, host of JLL's Perspectives podcast. Mark, Brisbane will be the successful bidder for the 2032 Olympic Games. These games are going to be different, though. Tell us how. Well, I think on many levels they're going to be different. The What the IOC is looking to do is to have a city that's not a mega city in the world to have the Olympics, uh, to host the Olympics. They're also looking to make things more sustainable. So by, one of the things that they're looking at is to find regions that are reasonably sized growth regions that need sporting infrastructure, transport infrastructure, delivery, accommodation, all of those sorts of things, which our region in southeast Queensland is one of those. So we're growing anyway. So by actually putting the Olympics into a growing region and giving yourself plenty of time to plan for that, it's a more sustainable way to deliver an Olympics as opposed to a world city like Los Angeles or Paris, you've got to go back in and, you know, move things around and there's centuries old and, and you know, it's much harder to, to deliver that infrastructure. So that's probably uh, pretty interesting and an important one. The other thing that they're doing is, you know, why now? You know, why when, you know, Tokyo hasn't been, you know, Paris hasn't been, Los Angeles hasn't been, why do you need to do this? So the other thing that they're trying to do is to, um, they've got rid of the, very expensive and, and uh, onerous bidding process and, and they don't want to have losers. You know, if, if if you get two great cities that bid and only one can win, well, then you've lost the other city maybe for, for a generation because they've spent a lot of money and they're, you know, they, they've um, got the shits with the world and, and they, they don't come back. So, and then the other thing is to actually have a very clear focus on the size of the venues um, and make and that they're more interested in how they're going to be used after the games as opposed to let's build it for the games. So, for instance, here, it wouldn't make a lot of sense to go and build a brand-new stadium of 100, for 100,000 people given that Brisbane after the games will probably never fill that stadium again, um, maybe with a rugby league game. But, you know, it's, it's, you know, you've got to find teams and uses week in, week out to pay for these venues. You know, because their 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 life is cross generational, so I think that's the other thing. And the, and then 
they're also looking at saying, right, well, you can go to town on certain venues if it's part of your culture, your, you know, if, if you love this sport and it's part of your, you know, ongoing um, uh, use, well, then, you know, invest more in those sorts of things. So I think given that there's a big growth story, um, that's why there's a perfect fit for us to get the Olympics announced now, which gives us 10 years to do it in a sustainable way and to use the Olympics not only to promote sport in this country but world sport. And obviously Brisbane's a very good, um, uh, uh, very safe, uh, clean, um, secure city for that to happen and to get on and deliver um, what you're going to deliver anyway for your region, but do it in Olympic style and where you become an Olympic city forever. And so this will change the destiny of Brisbane um, because we will be an Olympic city and a world-class city. So this new criteria aims to ground the Olympics in infrastructure that's existing or already planned. Um, and I also understand that, I guess, partly as a result of this, games venues will be spread across southeast Queensland. Uh, there's also scope for temporary, flexible buildings, and it's possible that athletes will be flying in for their competition and then flying out again once they're done, presumably, um, so there's less money and buildings required to accommodate them. So it really sounds like a very different kind of games. As an Olympian yourself, how do you think the athlete experience will be different? Well, I haven't considered that. So, uh, however, I think it's got to be very athlete focused and, um, you know, there's got to be, you know, you've got to have that Olympic experience. I mean, it is still the only event in the world where all countries can come together and celebrate and all countries can compete under a unified set of rules, which doesn't happen anywhere else in the world. And all countries can raise their flag in peace and not worry about the consequences of that. So it's a pretty unique event when you think about it. So I'd really want to focus on the athlete experience and the experience, um, you know, the Olympic experience. I, I wouldn't want to cost cut it, you know, to, to that to that extent. Uh, and, you know, there's obviously, there's the aspiration that's so important that, you know, the aspiration not only for the, the young 10 and 11 and 12 year olds in this country and their families, but around the world, you know, so I think you've got to, you know, you've got to do it in a sustainable way, but, and in a cost effective way, but you've actually got to still have a world-class and a great event and you've got to do it in Queensland style. So a large part of the context around the Olympics new norm, as it's known, is less tolerance for wastefulness and, greater interest in sustainability broadly across the world, I guess. So given this, how relevant is the Olympics still? Definitely the world is changing, and but the coming together of the world is as important as it was back in 1936, you know, and as it was, um, you know, in 1972 and it will be in 2032. So I, I think that's, you know, there's something... Um, you know, just the history spanning thousands of years of Olympism is pretty special and it's an aspiration that we can all aspire to. It's not, you know, I want to sort of step away from, oh, well, unless you win a gold medal, you're a failure. You know, it's, it's really about 
you know, you can you can have a great Olympic experience and 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 be part of a great legacy, even if you win a silver medal or a bronze medal, or even if you make the Olympic final, or even if you don't, or even if you actually don't even make the, you know, even if you make the final at the Olympic trials, you know, it 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 goes all the way down into into families and in communities, and and that's why it it resonates with Australia so much is because of of our great history across Commonwealth Games and Olympic Games that we've had here. And, you know, and I think it's, it's really does reflect our sporting culture in this country. Stephen, tell us from your perspective why Brisbane is the right place to host the Games. I think the timing's perfect for Brisbane to, to bid, uh, hopefully to soon win the bid and then in 32 host the Games. You know, Melbourne 56, Sydney 2000. Uh, it's time for Australia again and a sufficient time since we hosted it in Sydney. Um, and we can do so uh, because, as Mark mentioned, the the cost of delivering the games and the cost of the process of bidding them is far better now. And if you look at the cost of the games going back to, to Rio um, uh, and London uh, and Athens, going back to 2004, they all spent over $15 billion delivering the games. Uh, Brisbane won't have to do that. And we've got so much of the infrastructure already in place, or to the extent that some of that, that infrastructure will be enhanced, Brisbane can handle that. I mean, Brisbane's growth uh, projections over the period be between now and the Games and beyond that, I think, can really accommodate that infrastructure. And indeed, there'll be a need for it. And, and there won't be any of this white elephant potential where it'll never get used again because the population will match the size uh, of the infrastructure. And for example, even the uh, the concept of splitting the uh, the residential accommodation, where uh, that might be uh, on the Gold Coast uh, and in Brisbane. Um, so you won't have too much in one place. That's a clever move, I think, um, and, and makes a lot of sense. And, and Brisbane, of course, is a, uh, indeed Australia is, but Brisbane is a low-risk uh, choice. Brisbane's, uh, it's a growing population. It's economically growing. Um, it's got a very, very low crime rate. It is politically stable, and they're very important reasons for being able to bid for and be selected for the Games. And I think Brisbane, uh, very much as Australia's uh, new world city and emerge on the world stage, is just the perfect choice. So the cost for the Brisbane Olympics and Paralympics is projected to be $4.5 billion Australian and cost-neutral, uh, yet it has been found that the average cost blowout for Olympic host cities since 1960 has been nearly triple the official budget. So, Mark, what's the likelihood of a blowout like that for Brisbane 32 and how assured can the city be of a truly cost-effective Games? Well, <clears throat> there's three things. One is the new rules, so you don't have to deliver the specification for venues has changed to the IOC for the first time is actually have committed two and a half billion US dollars for the uh, for the cost of the game so they're actually putting their money in to help us run the games um, so then on top of that you've actually got leadership it's about making sure that you've got absolute alignment of leadership on the organizing committee board and also the ability to keep control of what's happening. So there's, you've got to think about it in two elements. One is a cost that goes to running the games 
that's stage in the games, and two is the infrastructure that Queensland, southeast Queensland needs anyway. So if we build a new road or a new rail line or something like that, what the important thing is you use the Olympics to bring forward the delivery of infrastructure so we don't squabble over it for 30 years. So it's a great opportunity to bring forward, but certainly the cost of that long-term infrastructure that gets delivered across southeast Queensland should never be at the foot of the, or at the bill of the Olympics. So that's, that's happening anyway. So I think that's really what the IOC is looking for is when you've got, you know, big capital spends and big outflows, you know, for infrastructure in the next 12 years, um, it's very easy to put a, an Olympics into that. And Stephen, how has Brisbane been preparing for this win as far as you've seen? I, I think Brisbane has, in, in starting the process around six years ago for this and since, has really demonstrated genuinely the ambition and the vision uh, for the global status to be able to pull it off mm. and, and to be able to host it. Um, there's this SEQ deal that's been in the works uh, for some time now, which is you know, the aim of aligning all levels of, of government um, to better you know, manage the growth uh, and development outcomes for, for the southeast uh, corner. And I think the Olympics, when we, when we win the Games, will really focus um, on that deal and, and you know, to help us create the infrastructure and the redevelopment opportunity, um, which the state needs anyway. Uh, and as I said before, as, uh, you know, Brisbane and Queensland is growing, so we won't be you know, creating um, white elephants. And you've got to remember also that part of the obligation um, for any you know, host city uh, and indeed, within 12 months of winning the bid, um, we have to have created a legacy plan. Uh, so within 12 months of the announcement, create a legacy plan, which you know creates an important roadmap to ensure the ongoing benefits for the city uh, and, and the host and the host country. Um, and I think that uh, that will be taken very seriously. It will be uh, a big part of the success of um, Brisbane post the games. So the Gold Coast south of Brisbane hosted the Commonwealth Games in 2018. What learnings can we take from that event into Brisbane in 2032? Well, and of course, Mark Stockwell chaired that bid and, and so and was so successful in doing so by, by, winning, by winning the Games uh, in, in, in an announcement back in 2011. And then the Games, I thought, were very uh, successfully um, prepared and very successfully executed. And it was great for the Gold Coast and for Queensland and for Australia. And the infrastructure put in place for those games um, have been well utilised since, you know, from from uh, from Stadia to uh, to light rail, to the, tr the tram network. Mm. Um, and, of course, part of that infrastructure will, will be uh, available to use for the Olympic Games. Uh, you know, part of the infrastructure that I said before is already uh, in place. And what a great... Uh, promotion it was of the Gold Coast and Queensland and Australia during during those 2018 games. And of course, that's what Brisbane has to look forward to, the extraordinary exposure that Brisbane and Australia will get. And Brisbane, Brisbane frankly, needs that exposure. In many parts of the world, the Gold Coast and Queensland is far better known than Brisbane. Uh, and, and that's not good enough. We don't want people just flying into Brisbane and then driving off to the Gold Coast. We want them coming to Brisbane. Uh, and Brisbane will benefit from the extraordinary exposure to three or four billion people 
who won't just be watching the games in 2032, but in all the lead up to the games, where the word Brisbane and Australia and Queensland will be uh, reverberating around the world. From my point of view, I think um, technically the Gold Coast Commonwealth Games was the best Commonwealth Games that has happened. Um, my thing where I was a little disappointed and I think we can improve on is we didn't embrace the community and the families and the businesses as much as we should have. And I think we, we I don't want to scare anyone off the roads. I want everyone who lives in southeast Queensland to be opening their homes because there's going to be so much demand for accommodation to families all around the country to come to southeast Queensland, come to Brisbane, come to the Gold Coast, come to the Sunshine Coast and be part of it, be part of the celebration, as we did in Sydney. So I think that's the thing is we've got to sit there and go, this is, we're a world-class city, we can handle lots of visitors. You know, the Gold Coast can can take 40,000 bed nights like that. Um, and, you know, it's, it's a city that can handle big influxes of, of people, you know, and that will make, that's part of the delivery of it as well. The other thing that I think will make it special is um, that we didn't have this in Sydney. And what we've learned from Sydney is we've actually got a commitment, a 50-50 commitment from the state and the federal government to underwrite this Olympics and the cost of the Olympics. And that didn't happen in Sydney. So I think what you're going to see is a much bigger national injection and focus on the success of it as well. So I think, you know, all sides of government need to be commended for letting that happen. And, Mark, what would a solid legacy for Brisbane 2032 look like to you? Well, I think the, the legacy starts with sport and with making sure participation and the pathways in sport in this country are reimagined and improved and built upon. And the, the legacy for me is to make sure we remain a country of participants and people who participate in sport as opposed to what's happening now is we're becoming a country of sports watchers, you know. And so I, I think from my point of view, it's a very good opportunity to reimagine high-performance sport and delivery and pathways across all of the institutes and state academies and universities and all of the delivery of that. So I think that would be a fantastic legacy, a sporting legacy. Uh, and then the other thing is actually sporting venues and facilities done in a way that actually culturally um, supports Australia and, and particularly Southeast Queensland moving forward. So the venues where we use, you know, every night of the week or whether on the weekends and, and so it's that legacy. Um, and then there's the obvious legacy of the... Um, you know, Southeast Queensland is going to grow. You know, we, we're currently, what, three, four, four million odd people and it's going to be, you know, eight million before we know it. So how do we use the Olympics to actually make sure that we keep the lifestyle that we love here in Southeast Queensland, right? And I actually think the Olympics is part of that legacy to make sure we maintain our lifestyle and put the infrastructure in place that doesn't choke the place. And at and, and that point on growth... Because we are growing and maturing all the time, it makes us an ideal candidate to host the Games. But but then the success of the Games will enable uh, further growth. If you look at the, the foreign investment in Australia uh, into property, uh, you know, it's billions of dollars a year. 
but Queensland only gets 11% of that. Now, you know, the Queensland population is 20% of Australia. GDP um, is about 19%. And yet the foreign investment, if you, if you want to make that uh, correlation, is about 11%. So for every additional 1% of further investment, which I think will come when Brisbane is on the world stage, when Brisbane gets that exposure, that people will think about Australia as Sydney, Melbourne and Brisbane, not just as Sydney mm -hmm. and Melbourne, mm -hmm. then every extra percent is hundreds of millions of dollars that will come into investment in Queensland. And the spin-off from that will be quite extraordinary. And that is a legacy of the Games. People think legacy of the Games and think all of the, the, the infrastructure, et cetera, that the, the community receives and, and the great uh, sporting success that are delivered and the, and the high that uh, the city and Australia will be on for, for months and years to come. But the legacy of ongoing investment, I think, will be very, very significant and in itself is one of the most important reasons or one of the reasons why it's so important for Brisbane to, to win the Games and, and make it a great success. Now, this is a property podcast and you're both accomplished and successful property people. So I'd like to ask you how property businesses and the industry broadly can and should take advantage of the global spotlight that Brisbane's going to receive. Well, I, I think you know, to genuinely believe that the growth that is coming in the lead up to the Games and from the Games uh, is going to be the maturity that Brisbane, uh, or the additional maturity that Brisbane needs uh, from the investment uh, that we will get, as I mentioned uh, before, uh, and as a property industry uh, to be prepared for the delivery of that investment. I mean, property property is a massive contributor to the Australian GDP. It's already the biggest employer in the country. Uh, there'll be uh, more contribution to GDP. There'll be more employment in property uh, and established and emerging businesses in property will be great beneficiaries of it. So, Mark, as a property developer, how will you be taking advantage of the limelight? I think it gives you the confidence to know that the market's growing and to be probably more excellent in the way you that I deliver outcomes, whether they be in retail or in residential. And it's the it's the spaces and the places that we're creating. I think we can actually, you know, whereas, um, you know, probably in, in, in the past, the, the Brisbane that I and Stephen grew up in was a big country town. You know, and I think you, you had to be careful not to overcapitalise. Uh, I think you still got to be careful to do that, but I think it's it's about being excellent. I think it's about um, doing things sensibly and sustainably. I, I have got some concerns about the supply side for property. I mean, at the end of the day, property you need you know uh, men and women designing and uh, you know engineers and architects and consultants. You need um, people digging holes and supplying steel and concrete and. So I'm a bit concerned about some of the labour and um, and supply constraints um, that we're already starting to feel here in southeast Queensland. So I think there's a there's a big piece that we really need to work with government to um, to do it because you've got to be able to do it in a way that benefits everyone. And you you could see a, I can see a scenario where costs are so high that no one actually makes any any profit and you'll sit there and go, well, that was a bloody waste of 10 years. So I, I think that's part something that we've got to be careful of. And I think we've got to actually get supply of land moving. I've got, I think we've got to get, you know, because the other thing is we don't really want to become as expensive as Sydney. You know, we don't really want to be expensive like all the other 
world cities. So how do we actually do that in an affordable way is very interesting to me. And I, and I think that comes down to where's the urban footprint, what's the supply of land, some of those sorts of things. And that will all impact. If you don't get it right, and this great, it, you know, the Olympics will be to blame. So I think it, it, it provides the focus now for, you know, groups like, um, the property council to to actually come in and and say to government, listen, you got to you got to take this seriously. This is where you need to go. This is what you need to do. Um, so I think from that point of view, obviously there's there's areas of investment that I do see it as a bit of a golden decade for for Brisbane. I do see that um, you know values. You know, I think things may be up and down in different parts of the world or the country, but I think because of what's happening here over the next. 11 or 12 years, I think we're going to be be uh, be growing. And, you know, that gives me confidence. Um, and, you know, there's some some special places where I've been, you know, interested in um, investing and particularly... Uh, but I, I don't think it's... Ne it's not necessarily about where do you invest that's the clever bit. I think it's going to actually have an impact across all of... Southeast Queensland, and because there's going to be growth there, what worries me? Queensland needs to actually get growth and tourism and population growth happening in other parts of the regions. And you know, one of the constraints for that at the moment, there's many banks who won't lend for retail or or commercial or residential development outside of Southeast Queensland. You know, so I sit there and go, Apra, get onto this because you're going to have a problem here if we don't actually start to make sure that the benefits can flow to, you know, Mackay and to, um, you know, towns west of, of uh, Toowoomba uh, and all up the, up the seaboard. So I think there's, there's some things from a property point of view at a macro level we need to um, have a serious and quick conversation about. And, and um, I'm sure Stephen and I'd be very happy to uh, talk to anyone who wants to listen about it. That's a good point. So we've spoken about the need to effectively engage the community to help make the Brisbane Olympics a success. And we've spoken about engaging various levels of government through the South East Queensland City deal. But which organisations specifically have a role in staging a successful games? Local councils, for example. Well, well they, have a very, they have a very important role, um, but it's going to be even more important for that um, commitment by all three levels of government to collaborate effectively. Um, you, can't, uh, you can't build roads to a stadium without the council making it happen. And then let's just take that a bit further. Um, every time a city builds a road, you're not just employing uh, contractors and all the subbies, you're employing accountants and lawyers and all sorts of professional business who who uh, advise a lot of those bigger groups who are building those roads and building those stadiums. This is part of the legacy that comes with growth from a game. This is part of the legacy where uh, the employment prospects, the opportunities generally uh, for a city come from a games because of the, um, the increase in uh, employment, the increase that comes from population growth and the contribution that means for an economy. So uh, it's a never ending uh, opportunity for a host city. Uh, not the least of which, of course, is the is boosting the attractiveness of the city uh, through its promotion during the lead up to the games and the games itself. And by promoting the attractiveness, you'll see potentially a lot more people move to the city 
not just from Australia, but from around the world. Um, these are just all ideas and aspects that are, uh, I think, going to be a vital uh, consideration in one, when we bid for the games, when I hope we win the games, and then, of course, by delivering successful games. Yeah. Rebecca, I think um, Brisbane and South East Queensland, can't, we can't do this on our own. We've got to bring Sydney and Melbourne and Perth and, you know, South Australia and everyone with us. And we've got to actually engage, you know, because if, if the boys and girls in Sydney and Melbourne just sit there and go, oh, that's, you know, that's just Brisbane, uh, it, we won't realise the, the true uh, value and destiny that we can. So I think um, we need leadership to bring the whole country with us. And, you know, you've got to be, you know, and I think there was an op a bit of an opportunity missed at the Commonwealth Games on the Gold Coast because it became, uh, as Stephen was talking about, there was some territorial issues between councils and governments which um, we must overcome because that will hold us back. Uh, and I think the other thing is, is you know, you, you get this attitude sometimes where, well, what's in it for me? What's, why would we get involved? And I, when people say that to me, I think that they're, one, not entrepreneurs, and two, they lack imagination. Because what I think is there's, there's people all across this country, and in particular, I think about Queensland and, and in, in the regional areas, there's these, uh, as there is the southeast Queensland you know, Council of Mayors, there's these regional Council of Mayors all over the country. Well, they should get together as regions and start to plan and start to look at what we can do and what we can attract and how we can actually integrate into the into the celebration. Um, and I think people in Sydney and Melbourne need to do that as well, how they can be part of it and, and how they can apply their entrepreneurial skills uh, to be part of it. Because it's when things start happening organically, you know, and people start stepping up because they want to, that's when the magic happens. Thanks, Mark. And one last question for you. The Tokyo Games are about to start. In your professional opinion, where are we really going to see Australia perform? Uh, the COVID pandemic has really turned that event on its head, which is unfortunate, but athletes will persevere, no doubt. Well, can I tell you, the athletes who will perform well are the ones who won't buy into the fact that there's no people in the crowds, in the stands, and they won't buy into the fact that they've got to wear a face mask and they won't buy into the fact that, um, you know, they're only there for a few days. And, you know, I think the real professionals will sit there and focus, you know, it takes a lot to overcome the adversity that you need to overcome to make an Olympic team and to stand on the dice and make an Olympic final and to be the best that you can be. So I think um, there's the truly great will be seen through probably more so than ever before will be seen through this Olympics because you're doing it with such adversity and they've overgot to be great. You've got to overcome that. Um, you know, I, I do think it's interesting that the Australian swimming team got announced the other day, 34 members. There's 26 of those are Queenslanders. And, uh, and I think that's before you even count the, the Campbell sisters who've been uh, in New South Wales training. So I think, um, you know, swimming we're going to do very well and there's a few people there who uh, I think will kick us off to a great start. Um, so watch this space. Exciting stuff. Thank you very much, Mark, for being our guest in this episode of JLL's Perspectives podcast. And thank you, Stephen. I appreciate both of you sharing your thoughts. If you listeners enjoyed this conversation, we'd be delighted if you could write us a review on whichever podcast app you're listening on. 
And to see what our guests look like and to read more about them, pop on over to jll.com.au forward slash perspectives dash podcast. Also check out JLL's trends and insights section on our website, where you'll find an article which dives further into the changes imposed by Olympic organisers to make games events leaner and greener. I'm Rebecca Kent. Thanks for listening.